You're listening to Design Talk, a podcast for conversations connecting design with theory, organizations, business, and impact. This episode was recorded in conjunction with the TechArchives.Irish project led by John Stern. This is the second part of an interview with Damien Scattergood talking about his move into software localization at Semantics Irish subsidiary in Ballycoolum Business Park, Blanchardstown, ultimately co-founding Star Translation with Paul Quigley in 2002. Okay, so there was a software development group doing what? So we developed a couple of versions of Norton Commander. And then eventually, as I was saying, we, we, we got hired as full-time employees. So we were doing freelance for a while and then we were hired as full-time and then when we joined I think when we joined that's when we became localization people and then we started working on the on the projects then now they had as far as I can remember Anna Brady was there developing tools and she had developed pebbles and that was the main translation tool that Semantic was using after Norton Commander the software development group got a localization mandate for the first time no 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 the, no, uh, do you know the answer to that yeah the localization was happening already. Was it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, because part of that, we were also localizing. That we were doing the next version of it. So the original version was done, was written by Peter Norton, and like again for me that we were totally in awe because we were given code that had copyright Peter Norton on it, like written by, and was like, holy god! I actually got to talk. I actually got to email him. Right, didn't get to talk to him, but I got to email. I had email exchanges with Peter Norton. It was like, wow. It was like the best thing ever, right for me, right? So, so uh, we did that, and we. So our job was to take release the next version of it on DOS. When you say the next version, you, you you're not talking about languages at this stage. It's no, it's the next release of next release, yeah, version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was a we released a couple of DOS versions, and we also released. I finished up being the development manager for the Windows version as well. So I moved from being sort of. So I, I actually was hired. I think originally, I can't remember what I was hired originally for, but I was doing quality testing. So Derek was the developer. I was testing everything, so my job was to break everything. So again, I had a great job, right? My job was to break stuff and and see what, and translate stuff, right? And then we were, we had the translation team was there as well. And there was a couple of people there in the translation team that were doing 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 stuff as well. Now I can't remember how rapidly was there. They had we had all the full team. Didn't we we had John Rowley was there, right? So it was Jim Rowley. There was Tony, James, and uh, Stephen Brennan was, was was heading heading up the team. Norton Utilities had been translated, I think. So they're working on that. Because uh, I remember there was some funny incidents about the localization of that right, that we were talking about, right? So they were doing that. And that's where Anna had developed the first technology, Pebbles, that could edit and translate a DLL. And then there was a follow-on to that, which was Utah, which could leverage a DLL. Right? There was a couple of tools that she... And, that, and they, they were really sort of... Anna was doing loads of crazy stuff like that. Uh, that was her sort of space. So, so you're you're responsible development manager for the Windows version. Yes. Um, Tony developed so Tony Adele developed version one of the Windows version, and then I developed the next version. Was, was there nobody in America producing a Windows version? No, there wasn't. Really? No. At the time, the, see, the, the, the uh, when Tony got the original version of Commander to update on DOS, Commander was seen as a dead product. Right, it was going to be retired. But it was massive in Europe because remember we're still on DOS over here, you know, and we're done, you know, all the at the time the US was moving on to bigger machines, you know, Windows and all that sort of monarchy. We were still in DOS. Uh, it was a massive product in Germany, and so and that's the reason why they went into the translation. We had to have a German version of it, right? Uh, so our task was to do that, and I think it was like 
we had quoted something like $250,000 to develop the version of it. And the US team was looking at like a million euros or something to develop it, or a million dollars to develop it. So, uh, um, and I'm sure Tony will give you the story on that. So Tony got the, the control of the product. And that's why we got all the source code from, from John Socia and all that. So we had to be really, uh, John, John Socia and Peter Norton. So we got all that code to, to look at. Um, and that, that was just phenomenal stuff to look at. And then from there, we released, I think, two or three versions of the product, which was really successful. Uh, we had launched the, the German version at CBIT, uh, that the year that we launched it. Uh, I think I remember I flew over to CBIT with, with Tony um, to, to launch it. And from there, after, I think, two or three I, I years... I've seen by the way. Did you? Very good, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I think I've done, I've done about three. I think I've done about three of them myself, right? But, but I do claim to actually have walked around every hall in one go, in one in one visit, if you know what I mean, right? So that's my, that's my only claim to fame, right? But we did get to... We, we decided, let's do a Windows version because people were asking us for a Windows yeah, version. And yeah, we did a Windows yeah, yeah. version of it. So, uh, but I still think DOS version is better. <laughs> so it's much faster. And we developed a load of, one of the things that we, as we sort of grew with that team, we developed our own little tools to do stuff, you know. Like I remember we had a set of tools, so Commander is a file management system, uh, or tool, so it's useful for copying files backwards and forwards. So you need lots of files to copy. So we developed tools like, you know, I want to create a thousand files in a thousand directories, in a thousand subdirectories, and you can just type in what you wanted and it'll just go off on your PC and do that, right? Uh, and then we could copy them around the place. So we, we got into copying lots of stuff around the place and doing stuff, right? Um, we did, So from there, then, once that sort of did its thing, semantic localization was, was, was exploding, and we had lots of different products. Semantic was split into a couple of divisions. There was security, so you got Norton Antivirus uh, was one side of it, and any security-related products. Then you had utilities, which was Norton Disk Doctor, Norton Utilities, Norton Administrator for Networks, all that type of stuff, right? Then you had the development side, Visual Cafe, Visual C++, Visual Page, and then you had a, a, a unit that eventually developed called RPS, which is Remote Communications, PC Anywhere, and then you had other stuff. So other stuff would have included Timeline, Norton Ghost, URIs Only, Internet Fast Find, um, and a lot of other products like that, right? So we, we needed develop, we needed localization managers for these products. So we then divided the group. So John Kennedy became localization manager for Norton Utilities. So anything to fix stuff go in that goes into John's space. Security went to Kevin Hogan, antivirus and anything related to the security was there. And then all the other mad stuff, communications goes to Dane. <laughs> So I was dealing with all the crazy stuff, all the you know the outside outwingers, right? Because I was just like messing with stuff. Um, so that's how we 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 did our thing, you know. Um, and then a sort of there was a second wave of sort of people that came in after that, uh, which was Alan. Uh, I th as far as I know, where we had to go to, uh, um, we were looking at getting into Japanese and doing. There was a load of stuff around NEC machines, very complicated stuff. So we needed people that knew that space. Uh, Kevin Hogan is speak fluent Japanese so he's I think he headed up some of it and then we had Alan Higgins came in Dean Begley came in Vincent Weaver came in uh, and they had worked on the Quake library Semantic in the US had this uh, core library called Quake that if you developed in Quake it was double byte enabled so we would do everything at a low level in the PC so everything from writing a disk fix it, fixing a sector doing so it was very easy if you, if you used the Quake libraries 
uh, and uh, something like Norton Disc Doctor would work on every machine in the world, effectively, right? But the trick was Quake had to be the double byte enabled, and uh, that uh, was a as job. A, as a way of working, um, Symantec kept on buying companies and buying products. Yes. So was was there some procedure that, first mm-hmm. of all, yeah, great all, question. They, 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 they semanticalize it, and, yes. and, and secondly, and secondly, they, they localize it. No, no. Okay. Well, so, sort of, but yes, right. Yeah. So for my little reward, I got involved with the mergers and acquisitions team. Okay. So one of my jobs was when we were, and this again, right, so they needed someone that could reverse engineer a product and say, is this stuff any good? Can you localize it? And if you can't localize it, how much is it going to cost? Right, so my job—I had, I had the best job on the entire planet. I had an office, and I could buy anything I wanted. So I think at one stage I had fourteen machines in my office because I basically built my own network. Because I had, as part of the M and A team, Stephen would come in to me and say, "We're thinking of buying this product, Damien. Uh, find out what it is, what it does, how much it's going to cost to localize, et cetera, et cetera, and give me a report back by Friday or whatever." Right, uh, so that's what I would do. So I would go off and buy. Sometimes I would buy the product off the shelf. And sometimes I would get files from the M&A team in the States. Uh, I couldn't really tell anybody what I was up to uh, because of the nature of the, the work we were doing, right? But, and that's why I had my own network because no one could see what I had stored on the network. I had to have my own little thing. Uh, I had a Mac, I had PCs, I had Unix, I had Solaris, and a variety of versions of Unix, Unix and stuff. So I would take a product, rip it apart and say, okay, from what I can see, you know, it's going to cost 5,000 euros to localize it into 20, in, in, into one language, you know. But uh, I found all these hard-coded strings. I find they're using these libraries that were from this company that we know can't be translated. Uh, so there were occasions where, you know, in terms of negotiation, and then my report then would be given to the merger and acquisition team. They'd go off and say, look, uh, by the way, your product, for example, some, pro- some people would fork their code so they might present a product to Semantic in 13 languages, but it was 13 programs. So can't translate us, right? Because we, we, we would work with companies sometimes where one of the challenges was, well, how do we get this back into one code base so we could localize it again? Uh, so so some, of those, some of the work that I did would, would, have been involved, would have been used to negotiate upper or lo- lower costs on, on products, I think, right? So that was, but that was fun anyway. And, and then, because I, I also had for my, I also finished up managing the tools team at one stage as well, which was also great for me because when I wanted to develop a tool to hack a piece of code, I could do it without telling anybody. <laughs> so uh, there was one stage where I did a test where to test translate a product. We re- do you remember the system we had? A, we had a system on it that we built that. Uh, would automatically translate a product. Just send it in and it would leverage against everything we had and come back again. So I could send stuff into that without people knowing that I was sending stuff in. So I could say, oh, I translated. So I could test translate a product and then install it and say, oh, it crashes. And now I could, and then I could go back and do my, my black box testing and reverse engineering and say, right, why is the thing crashing? Right, because it doesn't handle Japanese characters properly, right? So I developed a whole suite of stuff around that. that. So there was, there was a process for it, yeah, but it was a very tight team. Yeah, Semantic was very good. They had a couple of tight teams that, 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 that had a great team, the antivirus team. Do you remember the antivirus room? You, you could bring a floppy in, but you could never bring a floppy out because they, they had the lab. It was a secure room. And uh, uh, they just did, if you needed to test something. SARC? Yes, it was the SARC team, yeah. They were very... I remember accidentally bringing a floppy in and they go, sorry, you can't leave the room. <laughs> they're always looking at something. I wanted them to have a look at something, but I forgot it was the only copy I had. And they went, nope, you can't bring it out, Damien. And I said, right, you have to destroy it. So, yeah, 
That was fun, eh? Um, so that was localization, right? So let, let, let's just get so there's a lot get, of stuff get a framework in there, right? Around this. Uh, you you joined the the software group when there was only seven people. Quickly does it grow? It grew rapidly. I think that seven people was. It grew up to about 140 people in under three or four years. It was rapid, really, really rapid. Yeah, the building had to be expanded to uh, twice to, to twice to fit us. Yeah, to, yeah, it and, did. Yeah, and not just going up. Uh, yeah, going out. Yeah, I remember. I, I personally interviewed about three hundred people, four hundred people for for the roles there. We were like we were hiring probably six, seven people a week. I think at one stage in localization. Like, yeah. yeah, it was really, really rapid. Now, as I said, probably someone like Stephen Brennan will give you the the real. He's the man for the rundown, right? He'll tell you. Because he managed it all, right? But it was very, very quick. And how easy was it to absorb so many people so quickly? Yeah, I actually found that all right. It was uh, we because we, we were very good on process. We were really, really good on process. Like one of the things that, that the guys had got to us, like again, I think, did me and you write the first process, or did I write the first process and me and you wrote the second process? So I know, I I know, I definitely wrote the QA process. I wrote the the wrote the first process, localization process, version one. And I know Alan did help me at some stage, but I don't know if it was version two or version one, right? Uh, it was all done on Lotus Notes, Word and Lotus Notes, right? Uh, so we, uh, one of, and, and that's why the one thing I, I, and that's why I have some of my archives, I still have a lot of those files. We did a lot of training, uh, internal training. So it was like, Alan, write the course on how to do this. And by the way, I'm giving it next week, right? Uh, and that's what we would do. We had a process for hiring people, bringing people on. So we had a, you know, at a very early stage. So if you want to be a localization engineer, you need to know A, B, C, D. So we had that checklist. Um, so, and that checklist was was constantly expanding. We had, one of the good things that they had there was, remember they had the Q, was it the QA lead or the process lead? They had a process lead and it switched all the time. So, you know, Alan, this quarter, Alan is working on QA process and he's working on Japanese. Right? And that's his job and he has to deliver. And then he would give a presentation to the entire company on that. And then the next, okay, next quarter, Alan would get to give that to someone else, right? We need the next thing. And then that, that would go on and on. So it gave one, a learning expertise to the entire company. And two, it gave this continuous improvement thing, you know, everything will again follow the yellow brick road. And then we had audits that we also put in place. So before a product was released, so we, we went through a rapidly evolving skill set so we started off with how do you translate some stuff and we'd make it up and translate things and we ship and then oh there's a problem you know and then we said well why did those problems occur and then we went back on those so those problems occurred because we didn't do this type of t testing so we were learning going backwards and backwards and backwards and we eventually finished up with what we called our iqa test so we'd finish up when when you gave me a product i said well have you got any hard-coded strings you know have you got any libraries that don't belong to you have you got this? And we could do that and we could fold it up because uh, we used to get surprises. I remember working on a product and uh, uh, Winfax, right? And the Winfax guys spent ages. We we worked with them hand in hand for three months translating this product. And I got the final master to update and it had a multimedia tutorial on the CD. And I went, where did that come from? Because we're shipping on Friday. And it was like, this is like, you know, three weeks work, it's going to cost us like 30 grand to do this, right? And a war broke out, you know, and uh, uh, and those type of things used to happen. Uh, so we had to, uh, every time something like that happened, we would sit down, 
And we, we, as a complete team, the, the managers would sit down and go, right, what happened? Why did that happen? What are we going to do about it? And we'd do that and we'd fix things, you know. Uh, and it evolved very quickly into a very sophisticated uh, organisation. Even down to the stage, like, uh, the semantic team in terms of, to make things faster and better, we integrated with software development. So one of the tricks that we came up with was is when the software development team was getting close to, to shipping, maybe about a month away from shipping a product, we would ship two of our QA engineers. Would you like two free engineers to test your product? And we'd send them over and they would learn from the, one, they'd be learning from the US team, but two, they'd be also fixing all the international bugs as we went along. So we were trying to I'd fix stuff before it got to us. And now that gave us massive insight into what was going on over there as well. So it helped us in, the, in terms of being able to influence stuff and be able to, you know, learn from ourselves. And then I took the opposite of that and we went into tech support in, in uh, the Netherlands, in Leuven. And we said to the guys, hey, would any of your guys like a free trip to Dublin <laughs> for two weeks? So we would bring them over to test the language versions with us because they would have to do the tech support on them. And they were able to, so when they went back to tech support, they already knew the product and they knew what problems might pop up and it made their job easier. So we were doing this all of the time. And it was great then because it made the, the whole corporate structure very integrated, you know, and, and so terms of, you know, obviously when there was corporate pressure in the States or corporate pressure anywhere, we'd know what was going on. So you may not necessarily need to talk to the guy, manager at manager level. You could say, look, you know, there's an issue with that driver or something like that. It's not going to happen, guys, right? Uh, you know, you might not have, rather than having a big argument in a meeting, you say, this is not going to happen. We'd have an Irish guy on the phone. <laughs> not going to happen, David. So that was great, right? So that was very good. Uh, and that really, really helped. And then at the time then we were working on how to compress the, to do simultaneous ship compress the timelines and we had a big project on that as well and that then you know so you can you can see how we rapidly advanced and got smarter and smarter and smarter uh, and then Stephen had this idea and Stephen and James and the guys were looking at if you look at the knowledge that uh, there were people like you know myself and Alan we, we, we you know we're, we've been on the front line for so long we know stuff but you know people don't know what's in our heads so they tried to start to capture some of that and try to automate processes and we started to introduce more tools um, you know, there were tools we developed. I remember, do you remember Joe 90? So when HTML first came out, right? What's HTML? How do you translate HTML? So I said, I don't know. Now, I, I, I specialize in file formats. It's just something I happen to have an interest in, right? So I wrote Joe 90 in three days, right? And the reason why it was called Joe 90 is one, because I like Joe 90, but two, it did 90% of the localization just thereabouts, right? It didn't get every HTML tag, but it got 90% of it, right? So at least you could start the translation and then look, you'd have to hack the files to get the rest of them out, right? Uh, but I think Joe 90 lasted about six months before it was replaced by a proper editor. <laughs> but that's what you had to do. Um, you said the big project to, to compress the, the timelines for shipping the, the localized versions. Yes. Uh, what were the timeline? What, what was the delay when you started, and how how quick did you get to simultaneous shipping? I think it was anywhere between between uh, zero and sixty days, and we got it down to sim ship zero. I think uh, in in the early days it could have taken months. Well, we had uh, external translation oh, yeah, suppliers right. yeah, too, yeah, so yeah, yeah, we did have there that, was, yeah. um, and of course pre-internet, uh, you had to ship physical copies. Oh yeah, and this fax. Do you remember this fax? This fax is it looks like a PC. It has a floppy drive in it. And Alan has one over there. And I put a floppy into it. And I say, and it uses fax technology. And it goes, okay, okay. And it copies that floppy. 
to Alan's floppy in another country. Now, I remember when we shipped the first version of Norton, whatever it was, right? There were like seven floppies. And basically, we'd have to wait for the guy in America to come in because there's no shit. And he had to basically say, right, put in the first floppy. And there were seven copies, seven discs copied over. And that's how we got the masters to America. It was called Disfax. And we were like, it was like, for us, it was like, Copy this, this was a, a semantic product? No, no, no. no. We, bought it from, we bought it from some company. Okay. Like, who owns it? It was one of the, was one of the big, big... I just don't recall ever hearing about that song. Yeah, yeah. look up Discfax. It was an incredible machine, right? We, used to, we did used to do that, yeah. Discfax is a great machine. Um, but yeah, but it did take months because, see, the, the issue, when you think, if you look at early days localization, right, you have, you could take English and then we'd have to translate into French and then you have the French team doing their testing, and then you'd have the German team doing it. So we'd have to do that, and then, right, the French team would be ahead, and then well, we'd manage them separately. And then, we're not even talking about double bite enabling. Then we might have to wrap around them. Now do a Japanese version, and it goes, oh, it's cousin. we have to change the code. And then we had to fork the code. We had to fork the code back into the French, and then, right, so that's why Alan was saying it could take months sometimes to do it. But we were sort of over, as we progressed, we got this concept of international English, uh, and if you had an international English pro if you could get it so that it's double byte enabled uh, it's international English and it's all then you could you could start to sync up and then we started to manage right we have the new version send it out to everybody you guys start now they'd all work at different paces because it wouldn't have all the tools to leverage and that's where we started right next level of tools we need to develop next level of tools we need to develop next level of tools we need to develop and that's where we went Pebbles, Utah and all that sort of stuff um, I'll tell you another interesting trick just as, as Alan because again there's another aside but very interesting for you to know right when I was managing the tools department one of the things that I was trying to do was simplify the process because in terms of this sim ship stuff right everybody's doing their own thing right so how you use our tools is not the same as how Alan uses the tools not the same as how Vincent uses the tools right so uh, and we were saying well how come Alan can do a leverage in 24 hours and it takes Tony three days. What the hell is he doing, right? So what I did was I actually wrote code. Oh, sorry. I got the team to write code that recorded everything you did and sent it back to our server. We had a central server that uh, recorded every keystroke and every function. So Alan clicked the mouse or Alan used the keyboard. So I knew how Alan was using my tools. Uh, and I said, Alan, why are you not using that function that we put in last week? And he goes, that function doesn't work properly or whatever. But because those conversations started, right? Uh, now, interesting, actually, we found people using our tools that weren't supposed to be using our tools, by the way, right? <laughs> Which is another interesting thing, right? <laughs> but, uh, uh, but because of that, that exercise, we found out that some of the guys didn't know how to use the tools properly and there were functions that were just complicated. So we streamlined all the tools and uh, I came up with this traffic light system. So instead of having, you know, you've got 500 errors and blah, 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 blah you have... Red, don't ship. Green, do ship. Orange, do stuff, right? And and that immediately had a, a dramatic impact on the tools because everybody was using the tools better and faster. And we were able to share that with our own, uh, with, with all the, the vendors as well. Um, and we were also able to cut down the, sometimes uh, Anna didn't leverage it right because he was using the wrong version of the software, the one that had the bug in it that he didn't update. That happened, <laughs> right? Not, not to Alan, but it happened to somebody, right? <laughs> Which I won't, I, won't say, I won't talk about, right? <laughs> the, uh, but we had things like that, and that streamlined the process, so it made things a lot faster, right? Um, you mentioned you mentioned there were external tools suppliers. I mean, how much of the enabling technology came from outside Symantec? Uh, 
very little actually came from outside semantic. The the only one thing I know in Total Commander was uh, we had the viewers that was uh, I think that was from was a quick view technology, uh, and the, in Total Commander we also and sorry Norton Commander we had uh, a file transfer system and I think that was a was it soft tech developed that was it for us, uh, but in terms of localization tools it was all it was. 99% semantic tools. I'm trying to think that we use anything from external. Um, the only thing that I had on my list was we used some of the, you know, the, the uh, uh, basic, really basic stuff. Uh, you know, Microsoft Help and things like that. We did at one stage use Segway software's tool for testing uh, QA Partner. Did automated testing. Uh, again, it was one of the things that, that we developed was, uh, I think it was my team developed that, was it took photographs of every single dialogue in a box, so uh, overnight we could we could run the product through a certain number of tests. We come in in the morning and go, oh, clipstring, 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 blah blah, fix that. That's crashing. Then and so we'd been able to do that. We developed a lot, of it. so we did use that. Um, you know, I experiment had experimented with some of the other tools like Thrados and Star Transit and all that sort of stuff. We had experimented with all of those, but we just found out okay from what we were doing because we were doing a lot of custom stuff. Um, Pebbles in Utah was it. You know, that was really, and then I think I eventually brought it all together under uh, Earthworks was the, we, I brought every tool together under one box and it was called Earthworks. Um, and, and Just as an internal name. Yeah, no, uh, well it was like, we actually did, it's an internal name but it did have a, a manual, it had a proper printed manual okay, for yeah. it and things like that. So we brought all the, all the tools together under one thing and that's where I simplified the UI, brought everything, so instead of you having to do A, B, C and D, you could just come in and say, right, I want to do a leverage bang. You know, and then he, uh, just simplified everything for us. Were there, were there specific product releases that were more challenging than others, or on a bigger scale than others? Uh, yeah, I think there were. It's a, there, well, there are different things. There are different types of challenges, right? Uh, there were challenges in terms. Of, and I'm not stepping here if you think of anything, anything else, right? There's technology challenges, and then there's business challenges, right? So. Business challenges is the one we spoke earlier on about not an administrator for networks, right? That was one I worked on. It was a single box and it was $1 million shipment was the order. It was for 22,000 PCs was the first order uh, to Unisys in Japan. And uh, so in terms of pressure, like, you know, it was, a, it was a simple enough product to do, but we just had to make sure it was on time. And that was, that was an unusual, you know, hard one for me to work on uh, because I had to make sure that my... That, Everybody would always say, "Well, we're only shipping one unit," because at the time, you know, the priorities would. When you'd look at the, we prioritized what we would deliver in terms of localization based on the, you know, the number of units and revenue on it. So the guys would say, "Oh, Damien's only got one box to ship," and I said, "Yeah," <laughs> but <laughs> so that was one. The NEC stuff that we did. So with the NEC platforms in Japan, they had multiple screen sizes. So every time they released a new NEC machine, they changed the screen dimensions. So the characters, the fonts, everything has changed. And like physical screen, it's not like, you know, 640 by 480. It'd be 600 by 400, 600 by 480. There's loads of different types. So every time they did something new, it was like, make sure Quake libraries support so, that. Is this something to do with using the kanji alphabet? Or? Just screen, di different aspect ratio on the screens. And it was like just a nightmare, right? That was that type of stuff. And then every product had its own individual quirkiness, right? Um... You know, for because so, I worked on so many different things, and and as Adam said, because there's new technology, you have to break new ground. So when I like PC Anywhere, for example, we had developed uh, PC Anywhere was was remote communication. You know, like, but part of that they had developed 
different versions of it and it used different protocols like you know the, what was the, the the what was the version that had worked in PC anywhere in a window so instead of controlling a PC it controlled the window on a PC and it was really really complicated stuff they'd go into things like Norton your eyes only your eyes only was a great product <laughs> because it protected the hard drive and if the product didn't work we couldn't get the hard drive open again <laughs> So, so we did a few things like that, right? Um, we were we had, we, we, there were restrictions on some of that technology too because of the, uh, the export controls, yeah. the uh, 128 bit encryption, that that's, kind yeah, of thing. Well, so we had to be idea. really clear. Um, yeah, so we had to have a different version that we shipped to Europe. We had to watch things for that. There was, was an interesting one we had with Norton Utilities, just in terms of really nasty issues, right? Uh, do you remember the time when the Hebrew version just deleted files at random, right? So the, so the Hebrew version of Norton, Norton the, the new version of Norton Utilities, deleted files at random, right, on, on the machines. And no one could find out why I was doing this, right? We just get these random reports that were doing this, right? So me and my team was challenged with, Damien, off you go. It was me, Tommy, and I think Peter Heffernan were the three amigos, right? And we were just going, okay, let's see who can find this, right? And I t it took us three days to find it. And I found it in the end, right? And it turns out, right, that the bug was, and it happened on Japanese as well, if you had a directory that had over 127 files in it that had Hebrew or Japanese characters in it, it would corrupt them and then delete them. Recognize, right? So obviously you recognize that because 127 is an unsigned voice. And someone in the code had written... You know, no one's going to have 127 or more files that are corrupted. And it was recognizing that the file names, because the characters were, were foreign characters in that character set, were corrupted. And instead of trying to adjust to them, anything after 127 just got deleted. So that was the randomness. But it took me three days to find out. I think we had, we had six machines, three people working on it for three days. Uh, but that was great crack. That was great crack. Because we just, the, we can imagine, but we had three, three staff and that's all we were working on for three days solid, right? Um, and that was just a technical challenge. And you get stuff like that and I was like, I don't know. Um, you know also, like, if you think, uh, there was a lot of stuff, like, you know, things really being developed very quickly. And part, one of the challenges with localization, right, is that the technology is, you know, oh, this is, oh, Windows 95. The other two projects I was involved on, I was the Millennium Officer. Right. My job is to make sure every single product in Semantic worked in the millennium. Right. <laughs> so I got another two months sabbatical. Damien, please break everything. Right. So I had to do, that was great crack. Right. So I got access to everybody in the entire planet, you know. Uh, so, uh, uh, and. Uh, so are you saying that the whole Semantic had one millennium officer? Yeah. That, well, really? no. <laughs> in terms of testing the code out. Because of okay, my job. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was decided, what was it called? What was it called? The Millennium Zara or something, right? So I basically came up with this process and then I fired it at everybody and said, I wanted to test your product under these conditions and come back to me and then, and, 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 uh, and then we did all of that type of stuff. And then that, that was great crack, actually. Because uh, we did actually find a few issues, but not, not many, but we found a couple of little things, you know. Uh, but it was quite good. Um, but I was able to tell the, the software developers, you know, you know, would you, would you please run the following tests for me, right? Um, yeah, no, I, in fairness, Jenny, I got some great stuff to play with. Uh, I also did Visual Cafe and uh, Visual C++. That was Visual page, because they were a, 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 they were a tough bunch. Like these are the guys who are developing Visual C plus plus for Semantic, right? You tell them that their code doesn't work properly, 
right? So I had to, I had the joy of doing that to many person, right? And you had to be very, uh, you had to be very nice and good at talking, right? So I'd be able to take the flag, right? So the, uh, but I thought I got into that role actually by accident. I don't know if you know that, right? So there was a James that was actually given the job to me and he, and he was getting a hard time from Winfax because when they were double bite enabling us and uh, they started talking machine code and stuff. And James was going, you know, no, I can't handle this conversation, Damon. I said, I said, yeah, Damon, can you explain this to these guys and have that fight? So I said, yeah, leave that with me, James. Right. So I had to fight with them about DBCS enabling and, and all the low level code, and why it wouldn't slow down the product that much, right? But uh, that was a tough, that was a tough, tough one because that's major change for their software. So you go on, I digressed. What about being contacts with localization people outside Semantic? Yes, there was a lot of that. So Slig was the yep. sort of the organization that started start to dash, right? Um, you, were you one of the founders or No, 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 I wasn't. I was a, I was around at the start, about probably the second year, maybe third year, and I got involved in this. Uh I was always hanging around like Ryan Hart and all the guys like that. So the um I did finish up working for for Ryan Hart doing some stuff on the elect project at one stage. Um the uh, uh, and obviously as part of my own role. In, in semantic, you know, and, and Star was trying to, you know, help them, and my current role in Star, but trying to help them with tools and stuff like that. So I, I always was always there. Uh, also for us, it was also useful for us to talk to lots of people uh, and know what was going on. Uh, the localization business is a small, same, same small world, right? You need to know who's, who's doing what and what's going on. The center of the universe obviously was Lotus and the Lotus started. So everybody knows everybody who knows everybody who started in Lotus, right? And so, uh, um, so that was the, that was the story. In terms of Slig, I presented at Slig. I've done lots of talks for Slig. I've been involved in all the magazines and stuff like that. So we, uh, we sort of used it as a, as, as a way to promote and help us to, to, uh, uh, get new people like I was involved with the, the semantic was the sponsor for the localization best thesis award for many years so uh, uh, so I got to give that award uh, once and then we'd have so we'd got we'd have a different manager give it every couple of years right so we did that uh, so it was it was in our interest to educate the new developers coming up and get new staff uh, and help, help the industry grow, grow how long did it take before slig or other groups started talking about Standards and doing things together. Probably, guess maybe four or five years, right? Yeah, yeah. Because initially, you know, very, very competitive, right? So you know, very skeptical. But you know, there's stuff that we were doing that was way ahead of other people, and vice versa. So we weren't, we wouldn't share. There were certain people just wouldn't share. That's it. It's not going to happen, right? Then there was stuff where, like, you know, look, if, if for example. Uh, when Microsoft was w doing Windows 95, they had to localize Windows 95 into everyone, everything on the planet. And I think Semantic were helping them do that. Right? Now, that's either open up or ain't going to happen. Right? So there was a lot of communication between everybody uh, in the industry trying to do that. Uh, in fact, everybody was hiring people, like left, right and center. I got to go out to Berlitz, uh, ITP Berlitz one day and talk to them all about the localization process. They showed me the whole tour of the place and we were talking about everything, where we could join forces. Can they do Because they were doing the localization for Semantica as one of the vendors. I was saying, okay, how can we do this? How we do that? So it was a, there was, yeah, there were competitors and there, there were vendors, but competitors and partners and you know all that sort of stuff. So there was a group of people that sort of, you know, some people slowly but surely saw the, the grey lights, so they say, that, yeah, there's stuff that we need to do I can we can get a jump? We have to do this, right? Uh, if you want to beat this and beat this game, you know, because uh, the, the challenges are too hard, you know. Because you remember, as I said, right, we, we're making stuff up as we went along, 
you know, like Microsoft would release. There used to be a Microsoft book that you could get a big manual on how to translate and, you know, all the localization guidelines. But would only cover what they could cover, you know, and it obviously didn't cover everything else. Uh, so we would develop our own guides. We have loads of guides that, you know, I still have a lot of semantic guides on how, how we do stuff and how to handle different types of character sets. Then we'd have, oh, here's a faster way. We're always going faster, faster ways, right? And then it did, did become sort of a, a little bit of sort of a, uh, I enjoy sometimes the game and the challenge, you know? I'll show you a faster way, <laughs> right? So uh, so we would, we would that would be good. And there'd be a couple of people that we would, you'd know, because you become friends with a lot of these people as well, you know, uh, from, a, from a, about a work point of view. Um, but the, the, but friendships did grow. Like as I said, like Paul, uh, my current job in Star. So Paul Quigley we used to be the localization manager for Oracle, and me and Paul met at Sleek and we were sort of done it in and right. And then uh, at one stage we actually met and we sort of said, well, hey, what are you up to? What are you up to? Blah, blah, blah. I want to do this. I want to develop localization technology. So do I. Oh, mine be better than yours. No, yours will be better than mine. Right? Uh, there's loads of stories between me and Paul nicking each other's code and stuff like that. Right? Not that I'd ever do that. But anyway, the, <laughs> the, we shared a lot of software developers because you know, and the industry was small. But we finished up working together. We wanted to start a company, so we started Key Performance Solutions Limited. But there was localization works. Oh, yeah. So you have done your homework, right? So <laughs> in the background, I had started a little company called uh, a little website called localizationworks.com, which is still in existence, and I'm still deciding what to do with it, right? Um, one of the things that, as you probably gathered from what I do, is I like research, data, and information. So I wanted to know who every single person in the localization industry was and what every company was so I could get a job and how I could integrate that and make, you know, make something for the business, right? Or make something for the industry, right? So I started a localization uh, jobs page, right? Uh, and uh, that's what I started to do because I, I, I had loads of people. I was like, I can, you know, because I saw the opportunity there. People, you know, there were plenty of people because Semantic were always looking for people to hire and we just like, well, why not just start my own jobs company? You know, so that's what I tried to do, right? Um, and it just did little things. It didn't really make any money, but it did get me a lot of information. Okay, I understand it's a website, but you know, was was there an actual there was no actual consulting company. service as well? Or no, no there wasn't. No, okay. no, yeah. no, not localization works. No, um, it was sort of me. You know, so anytime I'm unemployed or or quiet, I I normally spin up something and sort of say, well interesting research projects and we'll see what we can do right uh, so localization work still still is still there you know uh, but it's not really doing that doing anything at the moment I haven't decided what to do with it uh, I haven't decided whether I want to do anything else in localization in, in that that area but I still hold the name um, but that, that ran for a couple of years um, uh, made a small made a small amount of money just in terms of you know posting jobs and and, and getting people jobs right so that's what that's what the standard recruitment company right uh, so that was localization works right and then you and Paul and then I met Paul uh, and we decided that we, we, we went out to Dublin Airport and we decided that we met out there one day in one of the hotels. And I said, Paul, I think we should start a translation company together because our, our a localization tools company together. Paul was doing um, all the tools in Oracle and I was doing all the tools in Semantic at the time. And the two of us had, we, we were very close because we had, you know, we were translating some files. We had Oracle forms and stuff like that. So I had, I would constantly pick up the phone to Paul and say, hey, Paul, how would you translate? So we knew each other from technical discussions. How would you do this? How would you do that? Right? And he would do the same to me. I got a thing from Semantic. How do I do this? Right? Uh, we had a similar sort of idea that, because he had Hulk and I had Pebbles and Utah. And they were, they do the same thing, similar things, right? 
That's ours better. Ours is better, right? So the uh, and we were saying, well, hang on, we, we go the next step and automate some of this process. So that's what we wanted to try and do. Now, in the middle of trying to raise capital and do our little thing, uh, we went to, we said, okay, where are we going to find localization people? We'll go to localization world, right? Because they'll all be at that and we can talk to them and do our thing. So we went to localization world and at that we met Hans-Peter Ziegrist, who was the CEO of Star. And he said, oh, I'm thinking of opening up an office in Dublin uh, and, I was, and we said what are you going to do and he said we're going to develop localization tools and we said it's a stupid idea because you're going to be competing with us and we're you know the leaders of the pack in the game uh, and, he's, and we said we should all join forces and that's what we did so K, K Performance Solutions basically lasted was in its original form was only like a couple of weeks and then we met the star guys right so we met the, we met the star guys and uh, it was another great story right so when we were talking to Hans-Peter, he said, okay, this sounds like a great idea, right? And we said, right, how are we going to get this moving? And he said, well, I'm only here in localization world for today. Uh, but uh, I tell you what, we said, I said to him, <laughs> I said to him, uh, right, pick a place. We'll meet you there and we'll sign a deal. And he said, right, I'm in Germany next week. Come along with a business plan and we'll work out with him. And we said, right. So <laughs> me and Paul basically bought, bought our plane tickets that day and uh, finished the business plan, met him over there with uh, the two managing directors of Star Germany and we signed a deal to to sort of have Star and KPS become one company basically, right? And ever since then, we, we've sort of been running Star. Uh, and the way we sort of do it is, Paul, Paul and I are both equals. So, but I sort of handle the front, so I call myself managing director, deal with the front side of the company and Paul is director of operations and he handles the back side of the company. And it's an it's an interest and and the whole starting is an interesting company to, to work with it has because of the, the way it operates it's a, a star star is a is is a, a collection of fifty companies but we can we can operate as a central company or we can operate as an individual company right so we have strengths that we have so we can operate and that's why one of the things that the the, the currency you know, Mr Zebung likes about us is that when it comes to the things like software localization we have ex we have skills there and expertise that he can call upon us and say right deal with this you know um you know I'm helping our, our guys in France at the moment with, with a particular project that they have that I only I have the expertise on so we're able to do that and then vice versa we can do the same for them when they when we, we need okay I need someone that can do something really you know massive in something next way that we call Switzerland say do this for us right we're able to focus on uh, Ireland UK US we, like, because we, we can talk to the US multinationals here we're able to do certain things that that uh, makes it a bit easier for us Jamie, I'm very conscious of the time and the only other thing I'm going to ask, ask of you today is to get a picture with that box oh right yes yes <laughs> yes thank you for listening the music used is Voltaic Fluctuations by Ben Prunty and used with his permission 